Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Cable, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. California. I'm Zach Paris. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder. Uh, Matt, and I just want to start today's podcast, this week's podcast, by addressing the, the most important people to me. The most important people to me, Matt, obviously, are the fans of the pod. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the fans are important to us here on the podcast. And if you recall, our regular listeners, the true fans, will recall that uh, we received an email several months ago uh, alerting us to how big our fan base is in Honduras. Uh, and so I just want to let right. everybody know uh, tonight I'm going to go immediately from recording this podcast to the U.S. Uh, versus Honduras men's soccer match in Denver, not because of a love of the game. Or a desire to see live sports for the first time in 18 months. But because of my dedication to the fans, which I can only assume that all the, the, the what is it, Cacheros, um, who are there, uh, are going to be big podcast fans. They're going to be excited. The people, you got to give the people what they want. And that's the vinyl preacher if you're a Honduran. I mean, are you going to wear a disguise? Like, are you, you know, get a, one of those uh, hats over your head? You know, just like get a, some glass, some little mustache. You, you might want to. Think a little bit about how well, visible you want to be. I'm, no, I'm, I'm accessible. That's what I like to think about myself. You would be accessible, um, yeah. Yeah, we're not yeah. above the little people yet. We will be one day. You know, one day we'll be far above the little people, the little listeners to this podcast. Uh, but not yet. So I'm going to wear my Wake Pray Slay shirt. Uh, I'm fashioning my old, another Wake Pray Slay shirt into a mask that I'll wear on my face. It says uh, TVP to Eris Mikura, just like... Uh, That's right. The old days. Yeah, yeah. Do you have to wear face masks? I don't know. I assumed we would. I mean, I'm going to bring one for sure, but things continue. Will they sell them outside the stadium for $5? Fingers crossed. I'll take pictures (laughs) and send that to you. Like really, really flimsy face masks. (laughs) Where you can put it over your eyes and still completely take in the match. Um, uh, We'll see. I got a big, like, I got a bunch of emails about what I was what's allowed and not allowed and, and it didn't mostly uh, is this another episode of Soccer Pod? I think this is Soccer Pod um, mostly it's about I don't know if you've heard this Matt but the uh, CONCACAF and FIFA are cracking down on the uh, stereotypical chant that happens at Mexican soccer matches on goal kicks uh, where they yell uh, an offensive word um, in part because FIFA has said like if that were to happen in a World Cup, like, it's a part of FIFA, horrible, horrible organization. But in some ways, trying to do some actual, like, positive things. It's a homophobic slur, I believe, is the... Um, yeah. And so they're banning it, and they've tried to, like, stifle it for years, and they've never been successful. And uh, I got an email with a detailed list, because there's a, it's a doubleheader tonight, after the U.S. plays Honduras, Mexico plays Costa Rica. And um, they will stop the match if they hear it. Uh, the PA, the first step is the PA, they'll stop the match. The PA will, uh, announcer will, will tell the fans not to do it again. Second time it happens, they'll stop the match, take the players off the field and go into the locker room, uh, while they remove whoever said it, which obviously that's like a whole lot. That's insane. And then three, they would cancel the match. That's the third strike. Um, and they've done it a couple times and they haven't, they haven't fully implemented it and they've done the first step and obviously it hasn't stopped. It's it's such an embedded part of like 
the thing that has not stopped yeah. it. Yet. So, so that'll be interesting. We all got it. I don't think, I mean, I assume there'll be a fun, you know, it's a pretty limited capacity, but I assume there'll be Mexican fans and Hondurans and Costa Ricans and stuff. And so maybe I'll hear it, maybe I won't. But that's, I heard much more about that than about uh, mask and hand sanitizer and 55 gallon drums that you can smell from three miles away. <laughs> Put your hands in this before you go in. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds very exciting. It's really exciting. exciting. I'm really excited. I am not the smartest person in the world, though, Matt. I learned that. So my friend Ewan, who's British, um, this is the the semifinals are tonight, and then on Sunday are the champ is the championship game for this new competition that they started here in the North American, Central American, and Caribbean region of soccer stuff called the Nations League, or as I like to call it, the League of Nations. Uh, I don't know why they didn't call it that. It's much catchier. And um, Ewan, my friend, uh, said he was going and wanted to know if I wanted to go. And I said I couldn't go because we were going to be driving to North Carolina. But then we changed our mind and we decided to fly, which meant I was available to go tonight. So I was really excited. And I said, Ewan, I'm in. And Ewan's like, that's great. We're going to go. This is going to be so much fun. And so the problem is the way social distancing and the capacity works in the stadium you had to buy all the seats together and you can only buy them in, in sets of two. So I couldn't buy a single ticket to go with you and, and sit with this group. So I had to like find somebody else to rope into things. And so finally I found a friend, KP, uh, who said, sure, I'll go. Uh, he's friends with you and it'd be fun. And so I'm like, great, you're going. And I'm like, you and we got tickets. We're in this next section over. We're going to be really close. It's going to be great. KP's going to get a group text. We all live pretty close together. And, uh, I was like, what time? How are you guys getting down there on Thursday? And Ewan said, Thursday? Because uh, Ewan has tickets to the game on Sunday, the championship. And uh, I do not. I have tickets for tonight, the semifinals. So KP and I are going by ourselves tonight. <laughs> and that's when you found that out? That's incredible. That's when I found out. When I was like, how are we getting down there on Thursday? And Ewan's like, what are you talking about, mate? <laughs> wow. You can go on Thursday anyway, or Sunday anyway. I know. So, that's why I was like, it's probably why would you think I was going on Sunday? <laughs> Clearly, I'm leaving on Friday night on an airplane. Do you not know my travel schedule, Ewan? Do you not even care about me? Incredible. Clear Incredible and honest stuff. communication is a is something as a pastor I really tell people right. to do a lot. And occasionally, I stumble more into it. Yeah, I mean, you've had a lot of time to work on that, so clearly you've mastered it. That's good. That's great. Mastered the divine and direct, honest communication fantastic i feel like um you know true fans of this podcast will will recall uh we just we just had an inside joke there about the uh flimsy face masks mm -hmm. which true fans of this podcast understand exactly what we're talking about <laughs> all the hondurans understand but if it. you weren't listening to the podcast about a year and three months ago Yes, that's true. Uh, we 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 went to a soccer match in a pandemic. I've done this before. <laughs> this is not my first soccer match. So Zach's just really into like some people are just into soccer and some people are just into pandemics. But Zach likes to put them together and make sure that you attend. If I could just find a soccer match during a pandemic on a shipping container, <laughs> international shipping route. Oh lord, that incredible! Would, Your brain would explode. That's right. That's as good as it gets. <laughs> Yeah, that was the uh, the swine flu of 2009, I think. That was, yeah. Yeah, that would have been 2009. Craziness. Yeah. So, here you are again. 
Los going cat- to a soccer match. Catrachos. Los Catrachos. Catrachos. That's, that's, that's what fans name. are that's a, in Honduran. Evidently, it's also just a general name for someone from Honduras or Honduran. Nice. Like uh, Los Ticos for uh, Costa Rica. Right. That's the big yeah. problem with American soccer, because we're here. We're still in the middle of a soccer pod, is, uh, you know... Costa Rica has Los Ticos, like the little ants, like the worker ants, which is a beautiful image for them. Like they're a small country and they work hard together and they accomplish things. And um, Catrachos, Catrachos uh, is fun. That's its own thing. El Tri, right? Uh, For Mexico, they have their own thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, USMNT is as good as we get. (laughs) USMNT. Yeah. We need to do better. Agreed. Yeah. Well, get on that. I'll see what I can do tonight. Remember to meet me tonight. You, can, just, you can just start calling out and see what catches. Like, just start. Bring a couple ideas. Be like, look around, see if anybody joins in. And they'll always remember that the cultural makeup of the U.S. national team was forged in a 25% capacity mile-high stadium. <laughs> By Zach and his single friend, Ryan, who is at the game. That's it. That's it. That's how it's going to work. That's all we need. Well, it's a good up. Good up. Of, good uh, up. Soccer pride. I can't, I can't wait to the next episode when I ask you how it was. Yeah. Be, the recap is going to be wild. Uh, you just can't wait. Uh, but this weekend, Matt, for our listeners, is not just about the League of Nations. And uh, determining who is the best League of Nations team in North America, Central America, the Caribbean, which includes Trinidad and Tobago, which is awfully close to South America. Uh, but this uh, Sunday, June 20th, Matt, we're talking about dads and grads, baby. <laughs> dads and grads. That's June. It's the month for dads and grads. Dads and grads, indeed. I once tried to combine dads and grads into the same Sunday. And I was told I could not do that. You've got to give them their own thing. Is that because they cared more about the dads or the grads? My assumption oh, as a dad sure is the grads. <laughs> Don't rain on the grad parade with these dads up in here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I think the grads do. I think there's a strong effort uh, to give the dads equal attention. Um, but... I always they, feel conflicted about they it. They don't, don't deserve like to be it, the center of right? attention. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> yeah. Did your position change? Because uh, we've talked about it before on the podcast, previously on the Vinyl Preacher. Uh, Matt's talked about how uh, Mother's Day is huge deal in the congregation, and it's a very different yeah. thing to uh, talk about how you observe Mother's Day with liturgical integrity in a seminary classroom, as it is from uh, his office there in a congregation that cares deeply about it. Um, did your perspective on Father's Day, on Dad's Day, change once you became a dad? Uh, no. Hmm. Good answer. <laughs> well, I did. I mean, it did allow me to preach much cuter sermons because yeah. I remember the first year, like, I would like, hold, like, I wore the double. They both made me a tie at daycare, so I wore mm. both ties. Because how uh, could I pick one? Yeah, I have twins. Right? Uh, I mean, and then the, I would like held them. I like took turns holding well, them. I would suggest Matt, if I could just go back to that tie thing. Yeah. I think you pick the one that's ruddy, handsome, and has beautiful <laughs> eyes. Right. Even though you like God, you don't look upon the outward appearance of things. But if you had to choose, 
You choose the super handsome one. Right. Yeah, I'm just trying to follow in God's footsteps and never pick favorites um, ever. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it does. It helps for that reason. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, there you go. <laughs> Dad's and Grad Sunday. It's also, though, uh, in my... Uh, I mean, does there, is, that, is that true in your context as well? I mean, by June 20th, you've, you've kind of sent everyone away, right? So you're... Yeah, nobody's here. <laughs> nobody's here. You haven't started your summer program for... Our summer program will start the week of June 20th, uh, gotcha. which is... Um, it's one of the really hard parts of my job, Matt. It's where we pick a week a day of the week in the summer where I set up in a local uh, taqueria and buy tacos for people during happy hour. And uh, it's really cool, actually. Like, like I'd forgotten that we did it because it's been two years. Um, because we have plenty of people this year in particular with, for whatever reason, we have a ton of people in town who are current students, but also uh, it's a great spot for like recent grads to drop by without feeling like they're like going back to their old high school or whatever. Um, and, uh, and, and alums, you know, so I get to see them and people who are visiting from out of town over the summer. Um, so that's really cool. So I'll look forward to that. And uh, our summer programming will commence after we've appropriately honored dads and grads or just because that's when I get back from vacation. Fantastic. I would come by for tacos. That sounds great. Uh, yeah, well, we... So I've added, I've added things to this Sunday now. So it's dads, it's it's great rhyme, uh, dads, grads, and Juneteenth, which oh yeah, just, it all all three just yeah, rhyme, yeah. rhyme together. Uh, yeah, that's added, my one criticism Juneteenth. of Juneteenth. <laughs> it doesn't rhyme with dads or grads. We we really started. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I wonder if Juneteenth. I mean, obviously it's been a thing for a long time, but I feel like it's become more of a thing. I mean, mm -hmm. even in my congregation, oh, yeah, like it wasn't sure. a thing. And then last year we like added it and now it's like, oh yeah, no, it's Juneteenth. We got to like do stuff. Um, but it's great. I mean, it's like a, it's a great opportunity to, to touch on the themes, themes of freedom and liberation. And, um, do you, so, so it does feel like a lot on one Sunday, but it's good. It's a, it's important. Um, no better way to, anyway, um, my understanding of Juneteenth, right, is that it's Texas-based, right? Um, was when folks in Texas uh, received news of emancipation. Is that yeah correct? Um, do your people... I know a lot of folks... There is some connection in the black community between Texas and Los Angeles. Um, is that a part of your community? Yeah, I mean, there used to be more of that connection. Um, and not as much anymore so no I wouldn't say that for us it came out of Texas for us it came more out of the the general ether um, black history yeah cool yeah it feels totally new like or not totally new but um, much more prominent in recent years uh, similar to our conversation last week about Tulsa indeed so so yeah a lot going on this Sunday Let's Dad's grads and Juneteenth. The, dad's grads and Juneteenth. So fortunately, the lectionary makers uh, have perfect text. Created some perfect text for this. Absolutely. This is the feast of Dad's grads and Juneteenth. Indeed. 
so, uh, oh my god, should I read all of this? <laughs> I don't. Samuel 17. I mean, it's one, just so you know, First Samuel 17, so you don't, you know, read the wrong verses uh, when you get up there. <laughs> verses 1a, comma, 4 to 11, comma, 19 to 23, comma, 32 to 49. And all of those first uh, verses are optional. <laughs> they're all, they're all optional. Until you get to 32. Like, if you, if you don't want to. I don't know. Uh, but it's David and Goliath. It's great. Good stuff. We don't always get the classic stories this is uh, in the lectionary. Now I just that's found out what today. I call a Bible story. I know, right? Like, I just read this morning with my kids. I mean, a little update. We're almost done with our 64 oh. stories from the Bible. And we did Daniel in the Lion's Den, which is a great story that mm-hmm. does not appear in the lectionary. Oh, that's right. Anyway, yeah. Which is just kind of nuts. Like, mm-hmm. just, it kind of blows my mind. Like, nobody thought, hey, maybe we should find a spot for this. Like, maybe I could give you several Sundays where you could have just dropped the one that you picked and <laughs> put in Daniel Lyons. Anyway, uh, we do get David and Goliath. Might I suggest uh, June 27th? <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. an Old Testament reading that could could be Daniel the Lions. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, you know, lots of, so many options. Oh my goodness. The Philistines, we get some Philistines. The Philistines gathered their armies for battle, their armies, plural, for battle. And there came up from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. I don't know what that means. He had a helmet of bronze on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. The weight just of the coat Just junk mail was all over that dude. Just incredible. Oh my gosh. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. They're just laying it on thick here. He had greaves of bronze on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. Not uh, vibranium, but bronze. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield bearer went. He couldn't even carry him. his own shield. Yeah, yeah, shield bearer. Well, that's an interesting that's job. A terrible job. Shield. It's like the old. Uh, who are the medieval like people who ran around with the knight, the knights who were like, oh gosh, <laughs> oh to do the horse. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll come up with I'm going to write a short story about the shield bearer. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. Oh, one-on-one combat. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, oh, it's like Mortal Kombat right here. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, Today I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man. Give me a man that we may fight That's together. That's what I should have looked for on the playlist. Give me a man. <laughs> Give me a man. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed. And greatly afraid. I mean, it's already a good story, though. Like, it's so ridiculous, mm-hmm. but it's just, yeah. oh, it's, they must have just loved telling the story. Just Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the Valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, took the provisions, and went as Jesse had commanded him. He came to the encampment as the army was going forth to the battle line, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle army against army. I guess they didn't do the one-on-one combat. They're going army against army. They couldn't find anybody. David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage. He ran to the ranks, and he went and greeted his brothers. Hey, guys, what's up? Hey, what's up? Oh, you... 
Where's oh, everybody going? No, this is the wrong time, huh? <laughs> Has he talked with them? Like, what is this conversation uh, like? The <laughs> worst little brother ever. You know? Yeah, hey, hey, so hey, hey, do you see the sticker I got? God. There's this huge man. So annoying. This guy, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, remember? Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and he spoke the same words as before. Thank goodness they're not going to spell them out for us again. But David heard them this time. David heard him. And David said to Saul, let no one's heart fail because of him. He said this to the king, like to the king. He let just no one's heart worse for the brother. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's through bothering the brothers. He's like, uh, oh, the king. Let me go talk to that dude. He seems to be in yeah. charge. Let's, let no one's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. You wonder Saul why the David. disciples were so preoccupied with keeping people away from Jesus. This is the kind of atmosphere into which Jesus yes. was born. Oh, my gosh. You, Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Mm. Oh, my gosh. He's been in AAU. This guy's been training <laughs> since he was. Summer league, yeah. You can't. It's too late for you. It's too late for you to be involved in basketball. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and I struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw. Strike it <laughs> catch down. Catch it by the jaw? Yeah. Hey, I'm just, I just want to stop here, Matt, for a second and tell our listeners that should you find yourself in a fight with a lion or a bear, uh, it is the official and legally binding stance of this podcast. We do not encourage you to try to catch it by the jaw. If you want to engage you, it in physical combat, that's on you. But just personal, my, my, my you, strategy, I'm, not to go for the mouth. Did you see that story though? Maybe it's a Southern California thing. This bear was trying to get over a wooden, oh, like a like a low wall, and this kid, this teenager, like pushed him back to protect the dogs in her yard. Just pushed wow. the bear back oh, over I did the see wall. It. I saw the the, the gif. Like, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't watch the whole story, but it does remind me. Maybe a little <laughs> David, David, little David, a little David. Energy How handsome there. was the the kid pushing the bear? <laughs> I don't know. Probably really with handsome eyes. I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has bears killed got to both catch these hands. <laughs> both lions and bears. And this, by the way, this uncircumcised Philistine. <laughs> Just want to drop that in there. This uncircumcised Philistine. Is that one of the um, insults that you're not allowed to throw around at the, uh, it at did. the match? Uh, you uncircumcised Philistine. FIFA says if you use that slur that you normally use on goal kicks uh, in Spanish, or if you were to call anyone an uncircumcised Philistine, you will immediately be ejected. Yeah, yes, yes. Shall be like one of them. It'll be like one of those lions and bears. Since he <laughs> has defied the armies of the living God. Oh, what a speech, little David. <laughs> David said, talk. the Lord, who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, there you go. <laughs> May <laughs> the Lord be with you. <laughs> We're not risking much here. This exceedingly handsome young man's going to die. May the Lord be with you. Maybe Saul had gotten wind that David had been anointed. Maybe Saul got wind that something was going on. He's just like, all right, well, this is one way to... <laughs> would not have been cat. so bad for Saul if it were to end this way. <laughs> right? So Saul clothed David with his armor, put a bronze helmet on his head, clothed him with a coat of mail, 
David strapped Saul's sword over the armor, and he tried in vain to walk, for he was not used to them. Again, really fun to tell this story. You could just put all those clothes on. And David said to Saul, I can't walk with these. I'm not used to these. I cannot walk with these. So David removed them, and he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the wadi, and he put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And then he put the blindfold over his eyes. <laughs> yeah, that's what he did. That's what he did. Tied his hand behind his back. <laughs> Incredible. The Philistine came and drew near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. Shield bearer still there. Still, still there. <laughs> when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy, oh, ruddy and handsome in appearance. Just, just so I can put that out there again. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? With sticks? He didn't even know about the stones. Just the sticks. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Wow. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the field. But David said to the Philistine, You come to me with your own sticks, sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This very day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This kid, this kid's incredible. Oh my gosh. You gotta have the irrational, the irrational confidence guy. You gotta have the irrational confidence guy. You're going, and it's really, and I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the earth. By the way, you thought like like Goliath was like a little bit R-rated for this kid. And then the kid comes back and he's just, he's just spewing it. I mean, just, oh my gosh. Dead bodies of the Philistine army, the birds of the air, the wild animals of the earth. So that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear. Oof. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. The when Lord the is not saved by violence. And yet. And yet. When the Philistine drew nearer to meet. By the way, I thought this story was going to continue a lot longer. Like this was all built up. And then there's like two sentences left. When the Philistine drew nearer to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Word of God, word of life. <laughs> Thanks be to the living God of peace and justice and exceedingly handsome young men. Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. Wow. What a story. I mean, there's a reason it's uh, on the greatest hits. <laughs> yeah. There's, it's a lot. It's a long story, but it's a great story. Um, it's it's one of those, it's somewhat unique, I think, in that it's a, it's like one of the greatest hits. It's on now. That's what I call Bible stories. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's what people think it is. <laughs> you know, yeah. right? Like, 
like the Noah story everybody knows, but then they're like, oh, yeah, I never really thought about the fact that God killed everything. Um, there's always this, like, other side. You're like, oh, that's not exactly how you... But this is, this is, if this is what the people want, First Samuel <laughs> gave it to them. Ah, uh, yep, yep. Got to give the people what they want. It's it's all here. Yeah, it's all here. Uh, well, it's I don't know. It is so. If it is uh, on now, that's what I call Bible stories. Uh, you know, it's like preaching Christmas and Easter. Maybe yeah. not quite as important a story, but still pretty important. How do we? How do, how do you preach such a well-known tale? Oh, oh. I mean, I think. What do you got? Oh. I mean, tell it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the place this podcast always starts with. Uh, I'm not sure how to tell the good news on this. Well, just tell the story really well. Um, but it's worth doing, you know. I think, I think, the reason it's well known is it's been told well over the years, and that that's uh, sometimes things we do in the church miraculously work. Uh, so you don't have to go away from things that have been working for the past couple. Hundred years, um, so you know it's full of imagery and stuff. You can really tell it well, like you and uh, we just did, in a sense. You know, for our listeners, um, maybe you don't tell it exactly that way in your congregation. Maybe you just play the vinyl preacher, play this whole episode, and you don't have to work this week. Um, but first, you know, I think you start with telling the story well. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Tell the story because uh, if you don't tell it people aren't going to hear it you gotta you gotta play the hit songs for them to be hit songs so mm-hmm. uh so keep it's got it. really clear simple good news which is helpful right like there are some militaristic stuff here that, that make, give, make, gives it some some pointy edges some unsanded edges that you might have to to deal with the good news of killing uh, uncircumcised philistines is not necessarily the good news that of uh, jesus i don't think but like last week, um, you know, the God of the universe, the God, the Lord, the hosts uh, of hosts of all armies uh, works in this scrawny yet beautiful uh, young boy. Amen. Amen. One, uh, I mean, one way in once you've told the story, one angle, I'm always reminded uh, Eugene Peterson wrote this book on pastoral care called Five Smooth Stones uh, and I don't remember all the details of it but I always remember <laughs> that title it's a great title his it's pastoral title. care was pretty brutal he would sling <laughs> knock Slaying. you out you do not want to go to one of his council meetings I, if I recall it correctly it's been a while since I've read it but it is on my bookshelf um is that he used that to kind of organize five chapters, right? Like, so here's five tools uh, that you can use. And it is, you could, I mean, I feel like that is a really nice little part of the story um, that if not overlooked is worth like, it's almost like this little quiet moment, right? So he's got this staff. So he goes down, he goes down to the river and he pulls out these five smooth stones. He also, like also the fact that he draws them from the water uh, might give you some nice baptismal imagery if you want to pull it in that direction. Um, and so to just think about, uh, yeah, I, I feel like that's just a little, like if you want to zoom in somewhere in this story, that might be a place uh, to zoom in. Uh, so anyway, just a little... Well, no. I might throw in, I made fun of it a little bit. We made fun of it a little bit about Saul being like, uh, okay, you can try. 
uh, and things would have gone very differently from Saul if David had died. Uh, because there's one way of looking at this in which Saul's army doesn't risk very much in letting David go out there and fight Goliath. Uh, that at this juncture, you know, David is the youngest son. We talked last week about how that makes him unimportant in ways that are hard for us to understand. Um, and yet, um, if David loses here, uh, think about all that will be lost for the people. Um, so there's actually incredible risk uh, beyond what they even what Saul even knew was, was happening. Um, so, so you might see in this the good news of uh, an army of people who are willing to take great risks to let uh, the young, the outside voices, um, have power uh, and lead. Yeah, yeah, amen. I mean, that's, yeah, that would be a really nice way to zoom in, to zoom into it too. I mean, to think about where, where we are in the story. I mean, we, we call them the irrational confidence guy. And it does, like, I feel, I do really know, that is one thing that I noticed, um, that I don't always notice is just like David's proclamations and how just over the top they are. Like he, like rationally has no, like not even just the stuff that happens, but the stuff he says, he has no right to say, like this makes no sense that you would be this confident about this, right? I mean, there are stories where like, you're really nervous, but you're gonna do it anyway. And it's really like, and that's, that's a good story. This is not that story. Like he's like just full of confidence. He has way more confidence um, than he needs. And sometimes like, that's what you need walking into a situation. But also, I, the way that you put it, it's like you might be in that situation where you're really irritated at that young person <laughs> next to you that seems to have way too much confidence. This this also probably going to be more and more true uh, of us as we age, right? <laughs> as we get to be like, you, Adam, not familiar the, with like, the concept. <laughs> who is this newly ordained person that like thinks they have all these? Like we're going to be that guy that's going to have to be like. Yeah, I. You know what? Give it, give it a shot. Like, I don't think it makes any sense, but I, maybe you're onto something that I don't see yet. Um, and so to give that over to God, that that's that's an interesting angle, right? So think about yourself as a fellow soldier uh, in the Israel army. I uh, oddly am thinking of my grandfather as we as we read this text. I was curious when I read it because um, it was all so familiar and, and consistently familiar. Uh, there's a little line snuck in there where it says that David uh, went to the camp, left the sheep and went early in the morning to, to go to the camp as his father, Jesse, had commanded him. And I was like, why did, what was that about? Like, why did Jesse command it to him? And uh, Jesse was bringing lunch, basically, uh, to... Um, to his brothers. That's what he was doing. Uh, bring some parched grain, these 10 loaves, and carry them to your brother. And also here are some cheeses. Uh, take the cheese platter, though. Your brothers do not get the cheese platter. That goes uh, to the commanders of the the thousand, the, their unit or whatever. Um, and my grandfather was a cook in Korea, uh, in the Korean War. And um, for us in real time recording this coming off of the, the end of Memorial Day, um, you know, like my grandfather, who I I love loved, um, was really pretty meek and mild and stuff, and like uh, so far away from like these. I could never imagine him cutting the head off of Goliath, right? Which is what's going to happen. They're going to cut his head off, and David's going to take it to Saul eventually. Um, uh, 
and not that that's like the best part of the story, right? But that it's that that faced with the army in this important task, they ask the cook to do it. Uh, the person who's there to feed the uh, the troops. Um, so I'm struck by that. And in the spirit of dads and grads, Matt, I think we talked about this off mic in the last episode. Um, I love John Green's commencement address. You should all read it this time of year, no matter what, where he says that the true hero's errand is not the journey from weakness to strength like we think it is. We think it's the Harry Potter journey where you, the boy who lives under the stairs becomes the wizard who saves the world. But the true hero's errand is the journey from strength to weakness and that the gift for grads, for graduates, is not that they are about to become really powerful people, but the true gift is that they are about to become uh, really... Um, weak people not weak they're going to be making uh, coffee uh, running errands getting lunch for people they're not going to be in your first years on the job most of the time you're not the CEO making big but you're doing the kind of work that you oftentimes didn't think you would do um, and yet it's that work the being the errand boy literally as David is here um, somehow in that that is what moves that's an important part of the story that moves David and moves all of us uh, to be integral parts of the kingdom of God and the good news in the world Amen Amen David the cheesemonger Good stuff Good stuff So that's like three at least three different ways in There's all oh. Great story and so many angles on it. You've got so much freedom with this, too, because you do, like, everybody does know it. Uh, so if there's something you've really been wanting to talk about, um, it's so easy to preach this week, I guess is what I'd say, right? Because you could just tell the story really well and then put a button on it, and I think you're good there. Like, um, you know, make it plain at the end. Or, because people know it so well, you don't have to, like, explain the Witch of Endor and Jonathan right. and, like, all this other stuff. Uh, or like John, the writer of the Gospel of John, was uh, exposed to Greek culture, and so he was writing. You don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. Uh, this is one of the few times for the the current modern day preacher that uh, people know what you're talking about, and you don't have to explain the Bible. Um, and you could do other things you wanted to do uh, in ways that you don't normally get to. So, indeed, indeed. Cool. I'm glad we have that story. You got the. You want to talk about the complimentary text as well? Just for Samuel. Just quickly, if you did want to explain a lot, um, you liked explaining things to people, um, and you don't want an interesting story, uh, the complimentary this week is also from First Samuel a little later on, and uh, it uh, talks about how David becomes a real BA and, and is just really good at lots of things. The primary part is that he gets like bonded with Jonathan, him, Jonathan, the son of Saul, and him share the same soul and become really close. Uh, the line I want to lift up, though, is, uh, the next day an evil spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house. He lost his... If we were, so we've already established God did not like Saul to begin with. God had already doomed everything Saul was going to do. And then God thought, just to be safe, let's send an evil spirit um, and make him lose his mind. That'll... God, relax, okay? You told Samuel, you got David, like, you don't got to push this hard, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's nuts. It's nuts. The... Seriously, HBO, make First Samuel right? a series. The viewership yep, would be through material. the roof. Uh, especially <laughs> if we call it First Samuel. Um, the other thing I do want to say, Matt, about like an address addressing the militarism of the story, because that's a lot of what 
Samuel is about uh, in the story of David is, is fighting the Philistines in particular. Um, I think it's important to note here that this story does not happen against other. It happens against the Philistines. Uh, Goliath is not a champion of uh, Assyria or Egypt or Babylon. Um, this is a fight in First Samuel where Israel is fighting someone their own size. Um, a fight they have a chance of winning. And so just to say the military stuff in here is couched within a world that's against the backdrop of people at the time would have the understanding. It's like uh, it's like Honduras, you know, uh, playing soccer in CONCACAF, right? Like that, that Honduras is not going to win the World Cup in our lifetimes. Um, but, you know, they can... Uh, they can beat Costa Rica and they can beat Panama and they can occasionally, you know, hit a rock and, and beat Mexico or, or the United States. Um, so it's not like there's some nuance here in that it's not military superiority, right? That it's that it's within a scale like like the people who hear the story do not assume that just because David took down Goliath with a rock from a neighboring tribe that they're going to conquer Rome or something, you know, um, it's always, there's always this reminder in the back, I think of the Hebrew mind that there's a big military empire coming and we've never, there are no stories in the Bible. There's a reason we know this one, right? Because there are no stories in the Bible where Israel has, Judea has a massive military victory against Egypt, Babylon, or, um, Assyria because there were none. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that context. Yeah. That's what we look to you for. Biblical scholarship. 8th century BCE. That's mine. Things were better back then. Gospel of Mark. Working our way through the Gospel of Mark. Love. Thankfully, we got an old six-verser, seven-verser maybe here, uh, to go with the extended play, the EP. Uh, this is an LP Sunday. Uh, one size LP. This is the yeah. EP side. Continuing, though, right from last week where we had Jesus telling parables about mustard seeds and sowers, uh, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go across to the other side. And though Jesus could have just simply strolled or moonwalked over to the other side, he had to get the other people. And so they took with him, uh, they had to get the disciples across. So he took with him, uh, he took him with them. They took him with him, them. This is complicated. In the boat, Jesus' disciples, just as he was, which is interesting. What a sentence. Other boats were with him. What on earth is happening, Matt? Like, I've either forgotten right. how English I works know. or. Yeah. Like, I, it's, yeah. It's super confusing. I know. I don't I know what this like is about. Then a great windstorm arose. Waves beat into the boat, so the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. He, he took the cushion, uh, and they woke him up and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he woke up, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Uh, the gospel of the Lord. <laughs> to you, oh Christ. Well, this story. What a story. It got me, Matt, because I assumed I knew this really well because, oh, it's the boat in the water. And I've yeah. done this many times. And then there are two sentences that threw me for a loop. And I don't have anything for you on that. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in a boat just as he was. Like, I imagined them picking him up and just like, 
All right, we gotta go. Yeah. Is he already asleep? Like, <laughs> right. And other boats were with him. I guess the other boats are with him. Maybe is this like vestigial piece of like other people saw this too? Like it's mm. there's evidence out there. Um, I did. I think a lot of this probably in Lent, talking about how in the ancient Near East water is a very scary thing. Uh, mm. If you go back to the beginning of Genesis, right the the wind of God moves across the face of the waters, the face of the deep, because of the deep, the seas, were a force of nature over which humans were acutely aware of how little power they had. It was the source of all chaos. And it is indicative of God's power that God has control over this uncontrollable force. Um, you know, think back to Jonah, right? Like, that's the worst case scenario. It was... People died all the time, right, in the water. Uh, they didn't have life jackets. Uh, they didn't have weather radar to know the weather that's coming um so it happened all the time so jesus ability their lives really are in jeopardy it's not just that like this is an uncomfortable boat ride um like yeah. we really might die and jesus doesn't seem to care um and so we're in this part of the gospel of mark which is you know super consistent cohesive story where what jesus is doing is is getting a reputation uh and that seems to be what this is mostly about, that, like, from here, the crowds are going to get even bigger and that what's happening is, is on this kind of scale and that it hearing this story will cause the crowds to get even bigger. And they're already so pressed in upon him, right, that they've got to get in a boat to go to the other side and, and run it away. Yeah, the sea uh, really is terrifying. Uh, a friend of the pod, Adam, asked me if I had been to Channel Islands National Park, and I said, uh, no, you have to get in a boat to get there. It sounds terrifying. Well, maybe Someday. next time uh, Jesus. we'll get tickets to go to the Catalina Wine Mixer. <laughs> yeah, uh, fun fact. I saw John C. Riley at the beach Memorial Day weekend. Oh, yeah? Pretty sure. He was. He and his family were sitting behind us. And I, at first we were like, I was like, you know, it's just random group of people. But his voice is so distinctive that yeah. I turned around and I was like, I think that's, I think that, I think that's him. Uh, and my brothers were like, can you get a picture? Can you just shout um, prestige worldwide? And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. I live, I'm an Angelino. I got to play cool. <laughs> but they wanted me to shout prestige worldwide. Hmm. I'm sure it'd be the first people to ever do that. Um, yeah, yeah, the sea is definitely... This is the Sunday to do uh, your stepbrother's boats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had never actually seen that movie, and then my brothers made me watch it this past Christmas Eve. That's what we did. I watched Christmas it pretty Eve. recently. Not it's Christmas pretty Eve, good. Christmas it's Day. funny. Yeah. It's enjoy- I mean, it's ridiculous. But. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, this is the Sunday to do it. Uh, yeah, no, the sea, definitely uh, a symbol of, of chaos. Um, it's also interesting, like... Uh, you know, one of the other things happening here is, so let us go across to the other side. And this crossing to the other side is also going to be this common theme in Mark that happens again and again. What other side are they going to? They're going to the Gentile side. So this is mm. also this cross-cultural crossing. Um, and so all the chaos that Mark brings to the fore is also this chaos that comes about in the midst of a cross-cultural cross, like kind of cross-cultural crossing that Jesus is doing um, throughout this gospel. And that we'll see again next week when he starts, when he does it again in a different kind of way. Um, and so that's, that's another one of the layers that's happening here. Um, and Mark is using that, that image of a chaotic sea um, to talk about that a little bit. You could see his crossing in a, in a sense is going over to, uh, 
to the land of the Philistines. Ooh, going over to, ooh, going to the land of the Philistines. Right? So if you want some cohesiveness, Damn. it's not, you know, the Philistines didn't exist back then, but it's, it's not, not true that that is the land where the Philistines lived. Yeah, yeah. So there is, so there's this cross-cultural crossing too. What I find myself wrestling with uh, this time is what, what is the moral of the story? I mean, is it that Jesus is, okay, so Jesus is powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like the way that I've heard this story moralistically is like zeroing in on Jesus's question, right? Like, well, we just should, they just should have had faith. Like, would they right. wake him up Chill for? out. I don't know what you're... But it's also, I mean, it's like you said, like they're, they're, they are in danger. They have a God on the boat. Like if I had a God on the boat, I think I'd wake up the God. Like, you know, like, yeah. I think I'd want to do that. Like, it's like watching I all think... the superhero movies where you're like, just use your superpowers. <laughs> right? Like, like, why do you have them if you I can't? I don't get it. So I kind of like, so I don't, it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, I, I'm, I, it makes me think of, I, it's, I know it's totally unrelated, but I can't get it out of my head. This, uh, Annie Dillard quote where she talks about waking the sleeping God, right? And worship, mm. if we were to wake the sleeping God, what do we have any idea what would actually happen? And th- there is like some echo of that here where they're like, like, this is the other thing that's stuck in my craw is that like, what? So, so they're, they're surprised at the end. They're shocked at the end. They're like shaken at the end at what he was able to do. Well, what did, why did they wake him up? Like, what did they think was going to happen? Did they think he was going to like turn them around? Like, or that he just like pitch in? Like, what did they think was going to happen? Or was it just seeing it happen? That was just the thing that was the shocker. Like, clearly they haven't seen this before. Like, there's just, it's a little bit weirder <laughs> than I remember too, right? Like, it's like this comforting story of like, Jesus is with you in the boat and he'll like take care of you. But it's also like a little bit thornier than that. Uh, a little bit wilder and woollier. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. The other thing that uh, that I want to point out is that this story is going to happen again, like pretty soon, like in either chapter five or six. Uh, and that time, they don't take him with them in the boat. Like he sends them on ahead. He, yeah. he like makes them go ahead without Try him. Try by yourself. I'm sure it's in there, huh? <laughs> yeah. And then he waits until like the third watch of night or something. And then he walks to the walks to them on the water. So he could mm-hmm. just walk. But, but it's almost like a progression too, um, where like, all right, this time I'll go with you. Next time, you got to go by yourself. I'll catch up. It's like they're learning to ride a bike or something. Maybe they're learning how to do these kinds of crossings hmm. on their own. And that, and that is kind of what Mark is about, is like this training up the disciples. Yeah. And then Mark ends with like, okay, it's your turn. And so we do kind of see it's almost like, I don't know, it's part of his training montage. This is He's teaching them. All right, I'm going to go with you this time. Next time, <laughs> you're, you're going to try yourself. There are some par- There's a parallel image here of, of David stepping... <laughs> out of Saul's army and going by himself towards mm. the Philistine army and Jesus and the disciples on the boat, it says, you know, they left the crowds behind. They moved out into this place of vulnerability. Um, and so, you know, if you're looking for that cruciform shape, there's some of that there. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus was a hipster. I think that's what we can say. Left. He's ahead of the crowds. <laughs> Indeed. Well, uh, if we're we're on our boat, we're on our prestige worldwide commercial. What are we? Uh, what are we playing? What do we listen to on the vinyl record oh. player? Would that be? Would you like to have a vinyl record player on a boat in a stormy sea? I feel like it wouldn't play that well. It might skip a little bit. It'd be like having your uh, your Walkman. Um, hopefully, you got skip protection. 
which is not a real thing. Just a sticker they put on there. <laughs> it was a real thing for CDs for a couple of years. I totally had a you believe in skin it protection. <laughs> it was just a sticker. You think it was a scam? It was a scam? I think it was a scam. <laughs> What does that even mean? I mean, that was the one you wanted. Like, oh yeah. yeah. So you go running with it, <laughs> and you had to like hold it. You had to like be careful about how you were. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was a well, thing. Matt. In the aftermath of Eurovision, uh, the glow of which I'm still basking in, Matt, I want to lift up, put on a song on the playlist that is a Eurovision Song Contest winner, uh, and it's also my favorite pop song about 19th century military battles. It's Abba's. Waterloo, because uh, we're on the water here, Matt. But also, yeah, this turns out to be uh, Goliath's Waterloo. Uh, <laughs> it does indeed. You know, an incredible warrior meets his end. Waterloo. I can't believe you got to watch the video. Which number one? How did they get a video? Like, it's full of little Napoleons at a French restaurant. Like, sir, like it's, it's insane. It's wonderful <laughs> and insane. Uh, then I found a new song that I like, Matt. It's off of Modest Mouse's like second album that I didn't know well at all. But it's a little song called Miss the Boat. Um, and it's a good song. Guys, you should check it out. Um, and it has to do with, um, you know, humans missing the boat uh, on stuff. Um, yeah. 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 It's good. And finally, Matt, as we continue to move along here uh, during the summer of Prince, uh, maybe you can tell me more about it. But I went with uh, off of the album of 1999, called 1999, of 1982, uh, with Delirious, because that's what happens to our good friend Saul when the evil spirit sent by God possesses him. Indeed, I... I went with Delirious, too, because I figured mm-hmm. David had to be a little bit delirious, too. Yeah. Uh, I think he can take mm-hmm. on Goliath. That's a good choice. It's right? a good choice. It's a, it's a banger. It's a good, good little dance I tried to find deeper cuts. 1999. <laughs> oh, well done. <laughs> it's good. It's good stuff. Well, since you're uh, already choosing Delirious, I'll go with uh, Something in the Water. Mm. Does not... Compute. I, I was also looking at that one, yeah. That was a good one. <laughs> Which, I was like, does not compute. Then I wanted to know the etymology of does not compute, that that was like already a thing in the 80s. I'm just going to, uh-huh. I don't know, early 80s. Interesting. I want to know, what's this about? <laughs> Anyway, Prince uh, 1999, which I believe came out in like 1982. And then he puts out, like this dude, like that's already like his fourth album, I think. Yeah. And then he's already putting together Purple Rain, which is going to be a movie and a incredible album uh, in 84. Like, he just keeps putting out albums. And that was really his record company's uh, biggest problem with him at the oh. time, was that he would not take a break. Like, they mm-hmm. couldn't... Like, they needed time to, like, put the single out and, like, milk this album for all it was worse. And he's like, nope, I'm done with that. I'm working on the next one. And he'd put the next one out. He'd be putting, like, every single year he'd have another album out. Uh, and it was really pissing off uh, Warner Brothers. So uh, that's your little Prince story today. He had a little bit a little irrational confidence, although in his case, maybe justified confidence. Uh, they had the like same David. thing with David Byrne. He wanted to make a music really? video for every song he ever wrote. <laughs> And so they, like Warner Brothers or whoever it was, made the deal where, like, you can make four music videos a year. And everybody's like, that's a lot. And they're like, no, no, no. This is just going to limit him. We can't have. Right. We don't have the funds for an entire album of music videos. Yeah. 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 
Incredible. Um, have you watched the David? Isn't there a David Byrne uh, like show on? Is it on HBO? What is it on? I've not. I don't. I don't American I Utopia. I feel like it's the show oh, that was at Coachella. American Utopia. I yeah, like I did watch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it good? Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see it live. You know, it's a Broadway show. Did, um, did it make you wish that we'd gone to see him at Coachella? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, I regret that. But um, <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, different towns, different places. You know. I'm sure it's funny. It was supposed to start touring the U.S. the show mm. um, right before the pandemic, so maybe they'll gotcha. get it back together and get to see it. Gotcha. It is also somewhat ethically questionable because um, there's a lot of Talking Heads songs in that uh, production, and it's not involved <laughs> any of the other members of Talking Heads. And, uh, wow. Yeah, of course, you're not going to believe this. Dave Byrne didn't ask Christ. <laughs> Shocking, shocking. Well, uh, here's what else I got for this week's playlist. Uh, John Coltrane's Giant Steps. Thinking about mm-hmm. the giant Goliath. Let's go with Giant Steps. Uh, and then I felt like, again, for friend of the pod, Adam Burns, who loves They Might Be Giants. <laughs> How about Let's Get This Over With from They Might Be Giants? It's just a great title for a song. Can we not Let's get to get the bottom with. of this by now? Are they or are they not giants? <laughs> they might be. They it's might been a while. Be. It's been a while. Well, it's been real. Real giant. 